All right, so I feel better now. <laughs> that was a lot of rambling, but I feel better. Let me just pray for us before I speak, um, and um, we'll read some scripture, and I'll make a few points. Heavenly Father, uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. We praise your name above all names. We are uh, thankful and grateful you came to save us. And uh, we just ask you uh, tonight uh, to continue to stir our hearts and our minds and, and open our minds to, to your word. Uh, would you plant a seed uh, within us that can take root and, and uh, produce fruit? And uh, Lord, we just look forward to uh, really every day. I know that uh, this coming week, Holy Week, Father, it, uh, it intensifies as we uh, just reflect on your journey to the cross. And, and uh, to me, just uh, most importantly, the, the journey out of the grave and uh, the power that comes with that to us. And uh, we're so grateful. But we look forward to this week to celebrate and to reflect. And um, I thank you, uh, Father, for bringing everyone here tonight. Just pray that you would continue to protect these times uh, that we have together on Saturday nights, Father. Uh, we do pray for the Bibbins and the Nicodemuses as they travel, uh, for that matter, any family that's away from our group tonight, Father. We just pray safety over them, and uh, we just lift you up. We, uh, we look to glorify you in this uh, time we have together. Uh, use me, Father, to uh, speak through me, guard my tongue, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So a few weeks ago, <clears throat> kind of began the conversation about um, happiness. It's kind of where we started out. We had a little bit of conversation about that, defining that, and uh, talking about that, and kind of drilled that down to, to actually looking in Galatians uh, in 5.22, looking at the fruits of the Spirit. And it's there. It's number two, joy, joy. Uh, as Webster would define it, we talked about that uh, happiness, joy, contentment, it all fits in the same definition. So the fact of the matter is, uh, as we read in Ecclesiastes, and Solomon talked about that all the external chasing that we do to fulfill that, and really for that matter, not only happiness, we just use that as an example, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Um, I think I missed one, but faithfulness. Since we're talking about exercising faith, that'd be a good one to, to make sure I hit. Um, but if we externally look and chase those things, it's a hamster wheel. It's a never-ending chase. Uh, Solomon laid that out in Ecclesiastes and said it's just vanity. Our wealth, servants, properties, possessions, uh, whatever. It's, uh, it's all vanity. And that um, we read over in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about in John 15 about abiding. And uh, before the night was over, I'd given a couple lists out. And if you were there, we talked about that list of how to abide in Christ. He says, abide in me and I in you and I'll produce fruit. And without me, you are not capable of producing fruit. And so I gave you that list. If 
that was the long list, was one, believe you are who he says you are. Believe you are who he says you are. Two, rest. Rest. Rest in that. Abide in that. Three, C1 and C2. And that's it. But we talked a minute about abiding. And then shifted our focus over because in Galatians 5.23 then it talks about um, there's this big if that I see there. It lays out the fruits of the Spirit and it says if we live by the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit. So that to me is where the rubber meets the road. It's like wanted to talk tonight about having faith and exercising faith. We don't have any fruit without having faith. But we have to exercise faith to allow those fruits to manifest themselves, to exponentially expand, to allow God to work in those fruits. It's like if you think about it, if you've got, if anybody could raise their hand and say, I'm feeling like I've got enough of all those fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If you could get to that place where you had enough, you haven't got all God's got for you. It's like he can provide more than we can imagine. More than we can imagine. So why is that? Do we need that much, personally? Do we need that much? <laughs> we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. It's, it's kind of one thing about that. Why, why would he allow us to be so overabundanced with fruit? Come on now. Come on now. To exercise Amen. our faith, right? To exercise our faith too, so that he can be made known. Because it's not about us, it's about him. Now, he didn't ask me how to put the plan together because I could have given him a lot simpler plan to make himself known than using somebody like me. So I'm like, man, it seems like a difficult plan to, to go through me to make yourself known. You know, why don't you just handle it? Why don't you just take care of all that? That's not, not what he wanted to do. He wanted to use us. So I find that to be amazing, but we have to continue to encourage ourselves that that is the mission. That is the reason for the fruit is so that we can share that and, and make him uh, more known. The second list was where the rubber hits the road. So how, how do we live by the Spirit? It says, if we live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. So how do we live by the Spirit? And I give you a list of things. We read some scripture, but do good. Be in control. Seek the positive, meaningful activity. Help others. Practice forgiveness. That's not an exhaustive list. The list I gave you about abiding in Him, I believe, that list of believing you are who He says you are and rest in that, to me, I think that's an exhaustive list. I don't think you add anything to that list. It stands on its own. And if we do that and live in that and press into that and trust in that, the fruits begin to come. But... Those that I just gave you, do good, be in control, seek the positive, meaningful activity, help others, practice forgiveness. 
you really, you know, I, I talked about exercising faith at the end of that list, but I understand we, we have to have faith to do any of those things. We have to exercise some faith to carry out even those, that list. We have to exercise some faith to do good, to be in control, seek the positive, meaningful activity, to help others, practice forgiveness. Um, so in doing those things, we do exercise our faith. We have faith. Um, the three things I ended with on that list were, were offer love. Um, Paul talks about in Corinthians about <clears throat> love and hope and faith. It says love's the greatest of these. And, and it said, you think about that, love has to be the greatest because God is love. And before God moves and intervenes, nothing else is possible. So, so love has to be first and the greatest. And then um, we talked about hope, you know, living with hope. And uh, that that is uh, love's our currency and the fuel, if you will. We talked about that in the giving meetings, that we meet needs with dollars. But it's not about the dollars. <laughs> It's about connecting with individuals and using that real currency that we know here in America to deliver the, the real currency of love uh, that God's given us. That's what it's all about. And then uh, our hope is, is the object. It's the object of our faith. It's, that is through our love. That's what gets delivered. That's the parcel. That's the package. That's what we want to take out to others is hope. And so, in summation of that, the only way to do that is to continually just exercise our faith. And at the point that we think we've exercised our faith enough, we haven't. And we just simply haven't because that's not the design. We can't have enough fruit. Uh, God can't give us enough fruit. Uh, the process is that he will continue if you will allow him, if you will live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit to manifest fruit to levels that we can't comprehend uh, beyond our comprehension. So I wanted to take that exercising faith and just move a little deeper with that. We um, And here's the point, because I'm not... Uh, this would be like preaching to the choir. Um, Mike wigs out about being called a preacher, but like whatever he feels, I, I, it's like exponential for me, like preaching, pastor, bishop, whatever you call that, that, that wigs me out, it's like, no. But, so the point is not to try to coach or cheer you guys, I'm, I'm cheering you on to continue exercising your faith, but I, but I know you're exercising your faith. I know you guys well enough to know that that's being done here. And so my encouragement in talking through this is to give you uh, encouragement as one of our mission points here at the refuge is we believe that there's a great number in our community somewhere around 80,000 that have faith but for whatever reason in a long list uh, have disconnected from meeting together coming together have given up I think on on what we have put together as the vehicle today a great number of people have just given up on, on how we go about delivering hope, I believe. And so my encouragement is to you as we talk about this is to think about 
your neighbor, your coworker, who's in your circle that you know has faith, but they just have stopped, for whatever reason, exercising their faith. And so we understand and know how important that is. So we can try to invite them to a small group or um, invite them to go on our ministry service opportunity with us. Uh, just to keep that in mind and to bring them into our workout uh, to help encourage them with that. Um, so I, Mike is headed, I think, into Hebrews. He said eventually, uh, probably after after Easter. One moment. I set my alarm. And uh, so Hebrews 11.1 1 says... <clears throat> Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance, the, um, the concrete, the principle of. Substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. So faith is not something, as described in Hebrews 11.1, 1, that's, that's this mystery or, or it's hard to visualize. It says it's a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So we can see that it has, um, I guess if you think about it, like the wind maybe. You know, we know the wind exists. You don't exactly tangibly can grab the wind, but you see the evidence of the wind when it's present. Uh, so in Ephesians 2, 8, 10, I just want to read a couple of scriptures here. Grace through faith. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's in the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we, would, we should walk in them. I just think that's an incredible scripture to hold on to, uh, to remind us, one, it's by His grace. So it reminds us to abide in Him, to believe He is who He says He is, and that we are who we, He says we are. And then to move from there and, and try to figure out and have that conversation with Him of what are those works for me personally you've prepared. You know, as we try to seek out all. How do I move? How, what do I do? What's my talent? Where is he inviting me to participate in the story? Uh, for me, that's, that's been and is quite the evaluation and quite the exercise in itself. Um, for others, maybe it hits you one night and, and then there's no questions about it and you're off in sailing. I think it happens for a lot of different, it happens a lot of different ways for a lot of us. Um, I couldn't get up here for the second time without mentioning this scripture because uh, it meant so much for me. But when talking about fruits, I think Lynn said the word um, to share those fruits is why he would desire to manifest them to such a level in our life. But that word seems simple, share, uh, but it's in scripture as koinonia. And uh, if you begin to track that word and, and search for it, it shows up in a lot of scripture and it shows up in in words that we translate, there's not one word that can capture it. 
<clears throat> it shows up in, in words like contribute and communicate and communion and distribute and fellowship and participate and share. And when it uh, popped on my radar a few years ago, it was just a word that uh, became an Ebenezer for me. So I was like, man, uh, in Philemon 4.6, Paul writes back to um, Philemon. He says, I, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So Paul says, I'm, I'm praying that the sharing of your faith would become effective for the full knowledge of Christ. And it just hit me, I was like, that's quite the responsibility that as believers, um, that's it. That He sends us with that, that, that scripture of being an ambassador for Christ, that it's koinonia, that that's, if you summed up the Christian mission and lifestyle, it's to be koinonia. It's to be about communicating and distributing and having communion and that intimate fellowship and relationship together and sharing and fellowshipping. Um, that's how it's meant to be designed and, and how it's meant to work its way out. And um, another scripture, uh, Philippians 2.12, um, fits in with exercise. Has anybody got, uh, or would somebody pull up on their screen? You don't have to ask that anymore. There's usually enough screens around that somebody can get the version that you want. But I'm going to read out of ESV, but I also want somebody to, if you would, to read it out of New Living Translation. The Philippians 2.12. This is uh, Ephesians. Uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians. This is Philippians 2.12. It's the ESV um, version. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is, is in my presence, this is Paul, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation. Somebody got the New Living Translation? Listen to this. Philippians 2.12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with your deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. One more time in the middle of that where it says work out. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. I think that's a cool way of putting it. Work, work hard to show the results of your salvation. We can take this verse and apply that to working out our salvation as if it's in the distance somewhere and we have to put this to-do list together to, to reach it and grasp it. Keep working. You'll get there. Come on. You can do it. Work harder. Come on. You know? But the New Living Translate, I think, really says it well. Work hard to show it. So I just want us to read that. Um, just a few examples. So looking on into Hebrews, that's uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is the, the hall of faith. Those that have been captured into the hall of fame of exercising their faith. And I thought it would be interesting just to take a couple of those examples and look at those in Scripture 
and um, see what we could find similar in regards to how they're working that out, how they're actually um, taking those steps in faith. So I talked um, last week as we ended, or not last week, last time I was up here and uh, we were together, about Peter. And uh, I'll read that real quick. It's in Matthew 14, 22 through 23. That's the account of, of Peter walking on the water. Uh, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, where he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening, evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. I think also some translations say, Take courage. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he, capital H, said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, you have little faith, why do you doubt? Um, little from the perspective of, of God. That's big faith to me uh, to be able to walk on water. It's just incredible. But we know, uh, and here, here's the things that I picked out as we, as we read these accounts. Uh, I'm not going to make you guess at them or see what you come up with, but I encourage you to go back and, and maybe read these accounts and some of your other favorite ones and see what you see. But it's a really simple process. I see. We, we know that's not, that's not Peter's first step in faith. Peter's been exercising his faith along the way here. And um, what I saw in that was that, one, Peter was walking with Christ. He was walking with Christ. And, and that was a wake-up call for me in, in 2005. I went on a men's retreat. And that single question um, really made me start searching and um, being intentional in these two areas of having faith and beginning to intentionally exercise my faith. But I went to a, a men's retreat and they said, we're going to talk about the five W's. Uh, it's like warfare and wife and work. And um, I don't know what one of them was, but the one that got me was the first one in the first session. He says, so how is it with your walk? How is it with your walk? Uh, and really at that point in time, man, I thought I was the only one in the room and he was talking to me one-on-one. -on -one. I thought, how is it with my walk? Well, my walk consists of um, a couple hours Sunday morning and um, hmm, 
Wow. Not much more than that. A little more, but not much more. And uh, that question sent me into a land of being intentional that hasn't changed and uh, just changed my desire. Just, um, But I see that in these examples we're going to read is that they not only have gained faith in who God is, but in exercising their faith, they have begun to develop a, a intimate walk with God and with Christ. And then that brings them to a place where they can talk personally with him. When you talk with him, he talks back. And so we listen. And then as we listen, I think where we become the most challenged is, is really all these guys did was then was they did. Like they didn't call together a church committee to, to talk about how best to do it or should I do it? Here's what I'm thinking. Should I? What do you guys think? Let's kick this around a little bit. Man, they, they walk. They talk personally. They listen. And they did. And I think we can take uh, those four things with us. Let's read... Um, Genesis 6, 13. There's a movie out right now on this one. Anybody seen the movie, Noah? Um, I would, yes? A couple people I talked to said it was a little off from the <laughs> biblical account. So if you're planning to go see it, I would encourage you to read Genesis 6 and a little before and a little after. Kind of calibrate your mind to the the accurate account and, and go see it, see what it's about. I haven't seen it yet, but... So Genesis 6, 13, 19, 13 through 19. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, cover it inside and outside with pitch. This is how you should make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to the cubit from above. Set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. I mean, this is not a canoe. <laughs> this is a sea-going vessel, and he's building it, and there's no water. It's like, really? And God says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you, and every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive, and with you they shall be male and female. Skipping down, verse 22 says, Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him. So he did. He walked. He talked, he listened, he did. All right, uh, a little over in Genesis 22, Abraham and Isaac. Uh, 1 through 13. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, 
Abraham said, here I am. It's Genesis 22, 1 through 13. Uh, Abraham says, here I am. Then God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, split the wood from the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. That's cool stuff right there. Abraham's walking close. We will come back to you. It gives me chill bones. Um, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. Isaac's not real clued in on it yet. <laughs> Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son. He took fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Isaac... Actually, you know his questions are rolling in his head. He got the courage to speak one of them out. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father? Abraham said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire in the wood. But, um, <laughs> where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb. For a burnt offering. Amen. So the two of them went together. Thank you, Jesus. They came to the place of which God had told them. Abraham built an altar, placed the wood on the altar, bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand. <clears throat> I'm telling you. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. <laughs> the angel said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it for a burnt offering, Instead of his son. That's crazy. But, um, I mean, it's beyond our understanding, really. Um, but simply, Abraham walked with God. He talked with Him. He listened. And he did. Um, I'm going to... Skip one, because I, I thought of one since it's, um, I'm kind of replacing off script here, but I had Joshua and Jericho. I really wanted to read that, so I'll give you that as homework. Joshua chapter 6, 1 through 20. The story goes, God gives him instructions of how to take the city of Jericho. Let's do all these laps and toot their horns and shout at a certain time and Joshua 
was walking, talking, and listening, and did it, and the walls came down. We know that story. But I thought we'd, we'd end up um, kind of with a live look-in, if you will, a live look-in on this Saturday eve of Palm Sunday tomorrow and, and Holy Week. So if you do a live look-in, we'll go to John chapter 11. I didn't think about this till this morning. This is pretty cool, though. Um, so I just did it. John eleven fifty four. Probably about the time right now. So it's like live look into that time, a couple thousand years ago. What's going on with Jesus? John eleven fifty four. It says, therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews. Uh, he had just raised Lazarus from the, from the grave, uh, performed some other miracles. Um, he went from there into the country near the, near the wilderness uh, to a city called Ephraim. And uh, Ephraim is kind of like a, a territory. It was one of the original territories um, in the Promised Land. So it's not pinpoint exactly where he was, but in this area of Ephraim. He says, and he remained there with his disciples. The Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. So they saw Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? that he will not come to the feast. It says, Now both the, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, they should report it, that they might seize Jesus. And um, if you read on in, in Matthew, if you flip over to Matthew and pick up the account there, because he has left Bethany, or I'm sorry, has left um, Ephraim. He's been there for a couple of days that we just read. And then tomorrow... He heads out and arrives in, he leaves from Ephraim, gets to Bethany, which is just outside of Jerusalem. And we pick up the story there tomorrow in uh, Matthew 12, or Matthew 21, sorry. I'm going to finish this up right here. Matthew 21, 1 through 11 says, <clears throat> Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her loose them, uh, and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And then a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before 
and those who followed out, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So I thought that would be cool to, to end on that note, just as we are on Palm Sunday, the eve of Palm Sunday, to kind of look into that and to see it um, surface again that Jesus' disciples, his followers, they were walking with Christ, they were talking with him, and they listened, even when it's beyond our wildest recognition of why he would have us do something. But they listened, and they went and did, and, and they become part of the story. You know, so my encouragement, again, is, is to say, way to go, you guys being a part of that story and continue to exercise your faith. But most importantly, when we leave here, is to, to think about who's in our circle, who's near us that has faith, but has not been exercising it, not been exercising it, and that we know that God desires for them to exercise that faith and, and pick up their peace in the story uh, that we're in. So I just want to close in saying when we listen and respond, God accomplishes. So you guys keep it up. Keep making him famous. And um, love you guys. That's all I got. Thank you, Mr. Jordan. I like this Michael Jordan.